This is a Pivotal Conversations podcast. Hey guys, I want to welcome you back to another episode. I hope you're having an amazing week. I'm down here in Melbourne and there's a, there really is a bit going on, um, but I've got a lot to be thankful for and I think the attitude that I'm choosing to adopt through the craziness that is COVID is that, you know, I, I how I act and how I feel and what I put back into the world affects a lot of a, pe- a lot of people and that's something that I'm extremely conscious of and I choose to be extremely conscious about it and I think that is something that I pay attention to on a daily basis and I try every single day and put in the work and and you know stick to my guns every single day for that reason because you know what I what I want to put into the world I want to make this world a better place and I really think that um I think that everybody who's listening to this should aim to have the same goal. It should aim to have the same thought process. This is an extremely stressful time and and obviously some of us are in different positions, dynamic positions, but you know, I just I just think about a world where everybody's trying to put back into the world um, you know, a, a positive mindset and and trying to uh, and really just paying uh, close attention to ha- to their actions and their behaviors and and the 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 words and and the vibe that they're putting back into the world because it's extremely important that everybody holds their head up high right now because you know literally the world is dependent upon it you know we we have a choice right now and and the world could go one of two ways so I thought I would just start with that because um, obviously the stuff we see on the news and everything is absolutely crazy right now and, you know, we are a form of news with this podcast so what we put out and, and the, the words we speak um, will have an impact on you and how you see the world so we just want to make sure that you know, what we're putting out into the world is, is positive and, and is, you know, um, making the world a better place. Now, today's episode is one that I was actually going to release in a few weeks. It was recorded fresh last night, but it was such a great podcast um, that we just brought it forward and I thought, you know what, this is something that I want to put out there this week. This is something that I want to, uh, I think people um, will benefit from right now um, around the world. Uh, And in this conversation, I'm joined by Luke Tullick and Austin. Austin Current, uh, two guys that I I just respect enormously. You know they are both they both run successful coaching companies, um, but you know it, oh, both of them are just amazing. They're amazing people, right? Like I think that's the thing that I really love about um, running a podcast and, and and running a business and getting to connect with so many um, absolutely amazing individuals. Um, but both of these guys, you know, their scientific brains when it comes to training and nutrition is is obviously at a really, really high level. Um, they run really successful businesses and their outlook on life, especially these two, this is why we did this together. Um, you know, they're, they're very, very conscious. They're very... Um, you know, uh, mindful. They're they're very introspective, which is you know it always makes for a good conversation. But 
You know, in this conversation, we take a deep dive into what we believe is going to be the most important factors for business owners uh, to pay attention to and to put their focus in over the next 12 months, which is an extremely important conversation for for many of us as business owners to have and to hear uh, purely because, you know, the next 12 months is going to be a hell of a ride. It's going to be bumpy. It's going to be tough. Um, There's going to be a lot of obstacles chucked our way and and the dynamic of the industry is going to change dramatically, which means that, you know, this conversation um, and, and, you know, where you put your focus over the next 12 months just becomes so pivotal uh, no, no pun intended there, but it does become so important um, to both your own individual success, but to the success of the fitness industry as well. So, some of the things that we focus on um, when it comes to what you know, putting your focus and how we believe things are going to change, and, and not just where you put your focus, but how you put your focus um, and your intentions. So, some of the things we cover is you know, cash flow um, and how important that's been in the journey of you know all of us as business owners and and how important it's going to be for business owners moving forward but you know social media is another big one you know how you use that is going to be really important um, and not just from a growth perspective but you know from a, an internal personal perspective and one of the things that we really touch on here is extreme ownership like if there's one thing that you can kind of you can take home from this it's that extreme ownership on all fronts is absolutely necessary to be successful in business so we take a deep dive into all of those, which is, you know, uh, as I said, it's a it's a really cool episode for business owners to hear. It's, I think it's something, you know, you're, you're hearing that from two really successful guys um, at their craft. So they're, you know, they're obviously really amazing scientific brains, but they're also successful business owners in different ways as well. So it's a it's a dynamic situation. It gives you a you know a few different perspectives, which is, as I said, it's only going to be beneficial. Before we jump in, though, guys. Um, just a, a few kind of housekeeping things. We have Steel in the Walls, which is a business intensive that we run, um, which focuses on your defense in business. So it is quite relative to the conversation today. Um, we cover, um, it's three modules, six lectures, right? So we cover cash flow, which is module one, intelligence is module two, and branding is module three. Um, we take a deep dive there. We also are now providing a workbook, which basically includes all of our tools to help track your cash flow, to track your intelligence, and to create a brand uh, within a workbook that you can you, you'll be applying um, as you go through the course. We also have assessments to make sure that you're not just you know taking in information that you actually know it and understand it, so you can go away and apply this to your business. Uh, so this launches on thir- the August the 31st. That's when the course starts. Our intake will uh, commence as of next Monday. So you'll be able to kind of book your spot uh, and and really kind of dive deep and, and get yourself prepared for this. Um, there is really no more important time than right now to, to focus on your defense in business. Cash flow only gets more important, intelligence, and then having a strong brand is what's going to get you through this. Uh, so as I said, it's a really deep dive. It is an intensive, so you've got to make sure that you show up. Um, it is only for people that want to show up and really want to kind of put effort into this because otherwise you're just going to fall off. But if you are if you are really wanting to kind of take your business knowledge to the next level and, and you're willing to sacrifice time and put effort into it so that that compounds to your business after you finish the course, then, um, you know, dive in guys because it you know as i said it's it's something that you know we've seen really great results with as well you know some people are saving 20 to 30 grand just from understanding you know how to track cash flow better and how to make better decisions um, when it comes to cash flow and and that's only one piece of the puzzle as well guys 
So I'm not going to hold you um, here much longer because this is a big episode. It's it's a deep dive, um, but it's one that you know flows really well and there's a lot of value. So as always, guys, if you like the episode, um, feel free to leave a rating and, and give it a share. You know, give us a tag if it's something that you believe other people should hear and you want to share it. Um, as always, your support is much appreciated. You know, we, we wouldn't do this if there wasn't support and if we didn't receive your messages uh, in the background saying that these conversations are helping you because that's what they're there for. Pivotal conversations. This podcast is here to for us to have conversations that make an impact and spark change in your world. So big thanks for all the support so far um, and we're looking forward to some pretty cool episodes coming up. Um, we've got this episode, obviously, I've got Mark Fox, which is the the man behind uh, some of the best uh, apps from some of the best minds in our industry, such as Eugene Teo, JP. Um, so Mark Fox is someone who's coming up. Um, Toby Scovren is an owner of a, a, a Creative Cubes, which is a multi-million dollar uh co-working space um, business which you know just insight into that space at the moment and the stress and and really what he brings to the table from a from business knowledge um, and and philosophy is, is really cool so there's some episodes that are coming up hope you enjoy the episodes guys and i'll see you on the other side we're kind of we'll bring this back to the fitness industry um <laughs> <laughs> otherwise we'll be going all night but i would I was, I was interested to see what you guys think the uh the first question was like what do you think the the number one skill that a business owner in the fitness industry is going to have to have moving, you know, beyond COVID or what, what, you know, uh, I know that's probably a hard question to answer, but you know, whether it's a skill or what, you know, what's going to change. Do you think moving, moving beyond COVID? I was just going to say as an overall skill, the first thing that came to mind is um, plasticity uh, and just essentially the ability to adapt to, your new reality and to not be romantic about what the, what it looked like. Um, I, I think a lot of us get really caught up in, well, this isn't how it's always been done, or this isn't how I always did it, or, you know, this isn't the type of client I always had, you know, got to work with. And it's just like, man, we're not living in the same world we were living in 12 months ago, man. Like you gotta, if you want to keep doing this and you want to, keep making money on your own terms like that is an insane privilege in in and of itself so when it comes down to adapting you know when it comes down to surviving in this this climate I, I think plasticity is probably your your number one asset and to be able to sort of be emotionless about any, any changes that occur, because I feel as if any emotion put forth towards changes that are occurring that are 1000% out of your control and out of most of our controls. I mean, everyone's control is as far as I'm concerned, as far as like the virus goes in in itself, um, as this thing mutates and adapts and its own plasticity, right? Like it's, (laughs) it's insane. The forms and, um, you know, the shapes it's taking, but, you know, I think that's probably the biggest thing is just to sort of be this, this plastic emotionless thing as a business owner that just operates and the importance, I think spending out, spending time outside of your work becomes like even more important because that's when you actually will get to experience a normal 
quote unquote existence, you know, because in work right now is it's weird. Yeah. Um, I would, I would probably agree with that. I think like a lot of it comes down to having a, a solid idea of principles because that means that the details of the situation doesn't matter as much, right? Like it could have been COVID. It could have been your gym closing down for some reason. It could have been, you know, a bunch of your clients randomly, you know, losing their jobs and not being able to come back and train with you, whatever it was. But if your fundamentals there, things like your cash flow, the way that you present yourself online, um, the way that you coach people, all that sort of stuff. If you're following solid principles, then it does allow you some some wiggle room with mm. the details in how you present that. But you know, it's a, if we take the analogy to to nutrition, for example, it's like you know, I'm trying to achieve a certain energy balance, right? Now I can take a variety of routes to get there depending on the client that I see. And those principles will apply to the beginner client, to the advanced clients and everything in between. And if you have some of those solid business principles or fundamentals in that applies to the smallest business and it applies to monstrosities, you know? Um, and I think often we don't in the fitness industry think of ourselves as a proper business, right? Because it's, it's a sole trader situation most of the time. Um, and I know a lot of the work that you've been doing, Kyle is just like, Hey guys, like you got to understand what tax is. You got to understand cash flow. You got to understand how to track your metrics, all of that sort of stuff. If you're able to do that, it does give you flexibility and help you to objectively, like Austin said, without emotion, understand your position and what you need to do next. Yeah. hundred percent. The, the principles thing is really funny because it's like, you know, we, we always, it's kind of like this word that just gets overused in the industry. But when you said that to me, I was like, oh yeah, like that actually makes a lot of sense. Like it's, that's what a principle is. It's like, you know, it allows you to adapt to the situation. Um, and, and, you know, again, you know, uh, uh, when, and when you're adapting, right. You know, and, and what Austin said, bringing that emotion out of it is just extremely important. And for me, it's like the, what the to be objective and have objective data there is like, cause you can't, you can't run away from that. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's subjectivity is the thing that always drives us into trouble. It's like our intuitions just, it's been proven, you know, they're, they're just not out that they're good 50% of the time. Right. Like, and it's like, you know, when I'm running my business, it's like, I don't want to just be right 50% of the time. Like I don't, that it's like business will chew you up and spit you out if that's how you're running it. And it's like, you just, it's like sweeping the dragon under the, under the carpet. So, but when you said principles, it's like, that's that flexible um, approach that allows you to adapt. And someone, something someone said, I forgot who said it the other day, um, but it's like the world belongs to the quick, not the big. Um, and that kind of sums up the situation is like, you know, I often, one of the things that we say in Steel on the Walls is we, when we um, teach intelligence is that if you think you're lost or you, sorry, if you feel lost, you are, right? And it's like, cause, cause objective data is that thing that brings you back on the tracks. Like if you're looking at your numbers each week from a cash flow perspective and, and intelligence is more around like KPIs, key performance indicators, um, these things, then it's like, you know, you really know where you have to put the work in. You really know, and even in this situation, it's like it becomes more important during COVID because the the tables have been turned and, and like literally flipped so aggressively on you that 
you know, and this is the thing that I've seen is like, you know, uh, a lot of people were just paralyzed for like two to three to four weeks. They were like, didn't know what to do. And it was like, you know, oh my God, like, what do I do? What do I do? So that you're either scrambling or you're just like, fuck. And you're just gone. Right. For like, it's like paralyzed for like three to four weeks. Um, and like, I think that people that obviously had some type of foundation there, you know, could easily look at that and go, okay, well, like, for instance, you know, um, an example is, oh, the podcast is getting me a good return right now. You know what I mean? So let's double down on that. Let's let's start to use that as our main source right now. Um, and, you know, for instance, the th- we did this at the very start, and this is like I can be completely transparent about it, but it's like we seen, we looked at like the last three months, literally the day it, got, it happened, and I was like, okay, what's getting us a great return for our email list? So I was like, our email list is like, from a business perspective, that's, that's where we can continuously just nurture and give out content and, and communicate. Um, and it was webinars. So we come out and we just did a whole heap of webinars, right? And that was getting us a great return on our email list. And then, um, you know, our branding, this is something that I talk about as well, is like branding is this thing that I think, I don't look at branding like my logo and my colors and these kind of things. Like I know that's a big part of it, but I look at it at, as like the story and the phil- the philosophy that our business is trying to communicate across. And like, we've never been a big marketing kind of company. Like we're not, we don't just preach leads marketing, this kind of stuff. So I was like, that's where the business side of the industry is going to go. We're going to go the opposite way. So it's like, but you, these are the little foundations that allow me to adapt quickly and move quickly. And I think, um, you know, that's going to be a, that's a given, right? Let, like that's a hundred percent given the whole time. Like you should be doing this stuff. Um, so when you said principles, I was like, oh, like these are what allow you to adapt and, you know, um, pivot and these kind of things and change how you're doing them. The principle doesn't change so much, but it's just, you change your angle. So that was, that was really, really kind of that when you said that, I was like, Oh, like, but again, only cause that word's being kind of used so much. Um, what do you think? So what about for you guys, right? What, what's, what are you seeing that's, that's changing for you guys individually from a, not necessarily just from a business perspective, but, um, just in general, like what are you seeing that uh, that you guys uh, are either auto- like autonomously it's changing, like you're adapting and you're pivoting or you've consciously gone, okay, like maybe this is something that I need to do? Well, you know, just on what you said about it, you know, some of that stuff is stuff you should be doing anyway uh, as far as like your how you deliver your message and applying some of those principles. And thankfully, a lot of that stuff was stuff that I had in place with my business. And I saw a small drop off in clients when the COVID thing happened Mm -hmm. online um, because a lot of the people I coach are coaches. And of course, they just had a lot of their cash flow cut off overnight. But frankly, the business is going even better than before. And the same thing with Mm -hmm. my wife. Um, You know, so I, I didn't really have to change too much. There was obviously some messaging around, you know, training from home or how to psychologically deal with it with the changes that were happening but fundamentally the business and the way it was run and all of that sort of stuff didn't really change i didn't really have to do anything too differently and i'm starting to see now that people are of course valuing their health and fitness a lot more than before because it was taken away from them in in many cases and so 
for someone to to be in a position now where we already had all of those fundamentals in place uh my wife and i you know we're in a great position for people who are inquiring about training now who want to do courses because they finally have the time um and that is something that would not have been as easy for us to do if we were suddenly having to scramble and be like oh shit now i got to get stuff into place because i lost my job or Mm. uh, what i'm doing isn't working or whatever so you know it's interesting like i haven't had to change too much but um you know, I do find that people out there are actually even more desperate for good coaches who have a clear, consistent message that they resonate with. Yeah, I'll echo exactly what Luke said there. And I would say the biggest thing, um, one, I'm, I'm very fortunate that I'm not alone in my situation. Um, you know, I have two other people who <clears throat> run our company alongside me. Uh, so, you know, I'm very fortunate in that regard. And I'd say the between the three of us and as the the company and the brand essentially gains more and more recognition, it's, you know, it's something that's again, kind of based off of those, those principles and based off of the content we've been putting out since 2014. I mean, it's stuff we've been doing forever and it, we've just kept refining that over the years, but the people who continue to show up are the, the same individuals. And, you know, it's, like Luke said, it's people are hungry for good knowledge. They're, they're hungry for a good coach. They're hungry for, I think they're really hungry for a sure situation because Mm -hmm. you know, the we're, you know, I, I think any, not to ill will on anyone, because I don't think that's necessarily deserved in most cases, but I think a lot of, you know, coaches, at least that are in this room uh, right now, you know, there's, there's bits and pieces of us that are kind of like, man, like, I don't quite understand how these, these, you know, these fitness influencers are just doing what they're doing to these people at at this scale. And I I wonder when this stops, you know, and I think in big part, a lot of that is probably being undermined currently. And I think, you know, we've gotten a lot of, and our business is doing well. I, and I knock on wood that that keeps going on. Um, but we're very fortunate in that. And that's something that, that's not something we're taking for granted at all. Um, and we're trying to set up even more systems to be sure that that continues. But, um, you know, I think where a lot of people would have taken a risk and, well, I love her, I love her message online. So I'm going to, or his, that could go either way. Um, I love his message online. Like he's my bro, like whatever. I'm just going to sign up to his program because I want him to maybe notice me on, you know, when I, you know, comment on his YouTube video or whatever it is. Right. And I think people are starting to really move away from that risk taking because on a lot of phone calls I've gone on recently, it's a lot of them are talking about the coach that they have recently had and, or, man, I'm currently with my coach. I paid him this amount and just, dude, I can't do it anymore. Uh, you know, I thought it was, I thought it was a bit different than it was. And it just, it it was kind of what I expected, but I couldn't admit that to myself. And, you know, so I think people are taking, um, you know, I think people are starting to take less risk with that in the regard of, I only have so much money, but this is so important to me that I want to be sure I'm making the right decision. And, to echo what we're all saying here is 
those principles are so, so important. And to, you know, I, I think there's, there's folks who kind of tout this integrity flag, you know, they, they fly their integrity flag high, whether that is something that they actually put forth or not. But I think if you, you're putting forth true integrity and true honesty and objective information that is tried and true and kind of stands the test of time and is honest, um, people are going to be attracted to that nine times out of 10. And I, I think we're just reaching a point now where people are finding that it is so, so important to them. And they're, whether they didn't realize it, now they're, they're realizing it. And or if they already knew that, they're continuing it. Um, but I think alongside that, they're taking less overall risk with who they're choosing to do that with. Um, you know, and they're kind of honing in on that as a whole. I think um, there's two sides to that, right? Like one thing that uh, the, the common denominator there for me was the fundamentals, right? Like as a business owner initially, right? Like that's the one thing that you can see that it's like, cause, cause like, and, and this is the thing for us, touch wood as well, right? Like in, you know, it's our business is in the best position it's been ever. Right. And it's like, you know, we, we don't actually, we, we only do the fundamentals really well. Like, and that's like, that's, we, we always fall back on that. So it's like anything that we tell people to do, it's like, we, we're, we're making sure that we're doing it three times over, you know what I mean? And it's like, even the systems that we teach, it's like this, they're the systems that we actually use as well. But it's like the fundamentals as a business owner, as a coach, right? Like when you do those really, really well, it's what becomes sustainable, right? Like it's like there's that. And, and I think sustainable is the other thing. And what I was going to say before is like, you kind of talked about um, the second part to that is like, you know, when you're talking about say the honesty and the integrity, it's like, um, it's really the only option for sustainability. Cause it's like when, when you're not doing that, you know, how long can you actually maintain that for? Like, you know, uh, and this is the thing. It's like, I'm not in this industry for, five years like I'm, I'm i'm 26 i'm gonna be doing this for the next 25 you know what i mean so it's like if i'm actually gonna do this well till i'm 25 i can't just act you know like i can't just try to put it all on and and like just just you know do this big gimmick on my instagram it's like anything that like and you see it like you see i'm look if there's one thing that i probably need to get better at it's the whole instagram thing like i'm just you know, I, I'm not, I don't, I don't enjoy it. So it's like, you know, for me, it's like we, we I've got someone taking care of, um, you know, our, our business page now. So my personal one, it's like, I'll be on for like two weeks and then I'm done for like two, three weeks and I'm back for two weeks. But the reason is, is because it's like, I don't ever, like, and I've just made a decision. It's like, I don't ever want to feel like I need to force that. Like, you know, it, it's, and, and again, the business page is another thing. We get that looked after. That's a business thing, but it's like my personal page um, is, is a personal brand, but it's like, I would rather not post and not go in and, and try to rush things and, and put stuff on there that isn't a representation of me and my brand because I know that if I go over the top with that, right, it's, it's like, it's, it's not sustainable for me, right? And it's like a part of me is like, and I'm going to go there a little bit. Like I feel like I'm pouring fuel to the fire a little bit. If I go in there and just start posting for the sake of posting, 
Do you know what I mean? Like, cause it's like, we, especially from a social media standpoint, like a part of me is like this, this thing is a beast for a lot of people. Right. And, and even for myself at times. Um, so when I, if I don't, if I, if I, if I feel like I'm forcing that and I'm, and I'm just trying to get a post out for the sake of it, then I step away. And it's only because I know that for this to be sustainable for a long period of time, I need to maintain that in that authenticity. I can't just be trying to post things for the sake of doing it and whipping out posts on the day or the not, you know, like an hour, like 20 minutes before I'm posting it. It's like, it's just not sustainable for me. I have a theory on that. I have a theory on this in terms of kind of, I guess the, my main thesis on my social uh, usage currently, especially, um, you know, the, the social landscape, I think when a lot of us first hopped on it, I know Luke is a little bit more recent, um, but he, I mean, insofar that he's had immense success. Um, but I think his success goes along with my theory. Um, so I think there's two type of users and content creators within our space, especially those who make their mark based off quantity and those who make their mark based off quality and those who make their mark off quantity are stuck in that rat race forever. Mm. And until you start to upgrade and move towards the top into that continuum, you're stuck in the rat race, man. And I'm sorry to say, but you got to keep up your posting. You got to keep posting things that are completely irrelevant. You got to keep on your stories 24 seven. You got to become this entertainment machine because you've yet to give me anything tangible to work off of from an intellectual standpoint. And that's not every single post, but <clears throat> that's the majority of them, right? That's the, the eight out of 10 that are like, you know, felt cute, might delete later. And it's like, probably shouldn't have posted that one because you just, you, nah, I'm not going to like that. I'm not going to interact with it. Therefore, I'm probably not going to, the more I do that, the, the less I'm going to see of your shit now because the way that this social landscape set up. So, you know, be it that you, you want to become the goal for me. And I know the goal for, um, I, I wouldn't, I'm not going to speak for Luke. He can speak for himself, but, um, the goal for me at least is I want to become, and this isn't for a self fulfilling prophecy piece of me. It's just a, the sense of what I think I could, I can do and how I'm helpful. Um, as someone who doesn't want to put out a lot of content like yourself is I want to just, I want someone to think of if, if someone has a topic in mind and it's kind of Luke setting up his Instagram, but if someone has a topic in mind, who do they think of when they want to kind of look for this information? Mm. Who, who's their kind of, what's that first filter? Um, and I, you know, I, I'm looking to create content that is kind of sets me on the top of that list of, of people who, you know, if it's, I wonder, and for me, it's a little bit more specific, right? Um, you know, I'm not breaking down studies at this point. I'm not breaking down that type of information at this point, but what I'm doing or trying to do is, is put videos up where if someone's, and I get DMS, that people are doing this. So I know it's starting to work in this way. Um, and it has been for the last couple of years, but if people are at the gym, and they're confused on an exercise, people go to my Instagram and use it as a catalog. And my action, I'm starting to get back to, um, you know, I have plans to get back to 
putting a thumbnail on everything because I want to, tr- my, you know, I know this isn't how the quote unquote platform is set up, but this is how I want to use it. And therefore this is how I'm going to use it. And I think that's an important distinction because I know my engagement is not going to be as great, right? I know all these metrics that aren't going to be as great, but if we're talking about KPI, that's how my Instagram becomes an asset. And that's how my Instagram becomes something that people return back to and look as, look at <clears throat> as a resource for themselves when they're in the gym. You know, I've, I've seen, it, it was the coolest feeling the first time I ever saw someone walking around the gym that I go to with my Instagram open and I don't even know who they are. And I was like, that's my Instagram, dude. Like, you know, like I, you know, I just want to introduce myself now because, because it like, that's, that's so cool to me because, you know, that's kind of what I wanted to happen, but man, like the fact that it's happening. So, um, I think the, the biggest part of that is understanding which one of those people you want to be. Are you a quantity person? Or are you a quality person? And if you're a quality person, you got to figure out what's your quality, uh, what's your asset. And, and for me, that's, that's, um, at this point, that's, that's exercise stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. That's stuff that I feel like is within my wheelhouse that I feel like I bring a certain level of knowledge to, but I, I feel like I bring a certain level of myself to as well. It's not just repeating others. It's, it's understanding the principles and the foundations of the movements and the mechanics and the anatomy, but bringing us the other half of that sphere, which is my own take, my own experience, my own, all of this stuff, right? Um, those little tidbits that, sort of kind of give you that aha moment when you're watching it. Um, and so that's my, that's my current like uh, tactic, if you will, or, or strategy on social. But mm. I think making that distinction is incredibly important. Yeah, uh, totally. And, you know, it's funny that you said the, the quality versus quantity, because I think the prevailing knowledge is that you have to post frequently and you have to be consistent with it. And there's people recommending that you post not even daily, twice a day and stuff. Um, and I found for me that I can't, I don't know post how twice. people would do that. Oh, yeah. Dude, I, exactly. <laughs> I'm so sorry, but that's like, but that's the thing Then you are stuck in the rat race. Exactly. Like Austin said, and you know, I've settled, I, I post twice a week on my Instagram. Right. Um, and it's one of those things where, I want to be the person where you're actually waiting for the post. You know what I mean? If yeah. I'm doing like a dumb quote every day or something, like no one's waiting for that post. They're just like, oh yeah, he's posting again. Like, yes, you see them a lot, but you don't care. So you want to be that person where it's like, oh, he posted something new. I want to see what it is. Um, that's how I conceptualize it. And I think that the other part of this whole thing is there's a difference between like the number of likes you get and the number of people that actually care about your content. Uh, you know, we've spoken before about how you don't need to have a huge following or thousands of likes on your post to make a meaningful impact on somebody. And then for them to actually reach out and want to work with you at some point, you know, um, one of my mates in Ireland, had a a business where he he was making like tens of thousands off of webinars with 5,000 followers, you know, now that's, that's bigger than a lot of people's following, but it's in the grand scheme of things, that's not a huge following Mm -hmm. on social media. Um, you know, and it's because his content was so good that people loved it so much that 
of those 5,000 people that followed him, you know, like a thousand people were willing to buy from him versus someone who has a hundred thousand followers and only a hundred really actually are willing to put their, their money where their mouth is. Um, so there's a real difference between that. And I think people can get a little too caught up with the numbers like, Oh, this post got way more likes and this post, blah, blah, blah. And that's not necessarily a bad metric because you do need to look at the engagement and what people are enjoying of your content. But at the same time, you have to think about, is this a like because I showed my ass or is this a like because people really engage with the content and they like what I'm doing and they're willing to engage with me further in the future. And sometimes that can also be a slow burn. You know, we found with my wife when we left to go traveling, her online business was not the primary focus for her. But a couple of weeks ago, she, she was starting to put people on a waiting list and it's been the six month slow burn of being really consistent with posting. And now she's gotten to a point where people have seen the quality of her content. They've gone, Hey, I actually really trust her. And now, Oh shit, we're going back into ISO again. Fuck. I need a coach. I'm going to go to her. That's when you know you're a killer. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah>. dude. <laughs> I want to, I want to add one thing to that. Um, because I, I think that was incredibly well said. Um, and I'll add one thing as far as, you know, and I, I've said this before, I think to you, Kyle, and success lies in the metrics we're tracking, right? So you have to first identify what metrics you deem successful. Um, if you're looking to become an influencer, likes are incredibly important. Um, shares to story, incredibly important. Uh, there's a lot of things that are your, your, the amount of people that watch your story, incredibly important. If you're looking to get $10,000 for a post by uh, Dove for their bar soap, you gotta have that shit unlock. You have to have it documented. If you're looking to get some clients and you're, if you're looking to become a good resource for people in the fitness space, dude, my main metric I found to be reliable, and this isn't like tried and true, but it's, it's a meth, it, it's a, it's a metric that I found to be incredibly reliable and that's the save button. If people are willing, you know, I have posts that have more saves than likes and I don't say it to, to, you know, boast or anything like that. I say that for the sake of people may not engage with your stuff because they may not be people that engage with social content. Like I have friends that I watch scroll social media. They don't like anything that they ever see. Like that's not how they use the plan. Yeah. Luke doesn't so there you go. Luke will scroll. Luke can scroll Instagram all day and he's not going to like a damn thing. Right. So that doesn't mean he didn't like what he saw. That just means that's how he engages with that social media platform. Um, you know, and some people have this nervous tick to where they just walk around all day, double tapping without a phone in their hand, you know? So they just, as soon as you put a phone in their hand, they'll start double tapping, whatever they're, they're touching. Um, and so, you know, some people just like to like, and I think some people have, have cultivated this following that are these compulsive double tappers. And I think other people sort of garnish this following that, that may not be compulsive double tappers, essentially. They, you know, they, they may sit there and watch. And I know if you're, if you're sitting there and watching my 10 minute thesis on the fucking lap pull down and you save that, I got gotcha. you. And not that I got you as far as like, oh, I got him. It's, I got you as far as I got your trust. I got you to sit there for 10 minutes and watch me explain. And which I got a comment yesterday. Uh, the internet always wins um, on YouTube that basically said, 
speed this up if you want him to sound in any way articulate. Um, because apparently I talk too slow, but <laughs> <laughs> which is just hilarious. Um, and I was going to post it on my story just saying like the internet always wins, but, um, you know, that, that's the thing, right? Like if you get people to take the time and I, I could care less about that, like as much as I hope you like it just for the sake of you keep getting, you keep getting to see my content, because if you don't engage with it at all, you're not going to keep seeing it. And that's just the, the belly of the beast. But, um, if you're able to get someone to sit there and engage with your content, whether that's, you know, let's say Luke's Instagram, where you're swiping through his slides, you know, I have tons of Luke's shit saved. Um, in different categories because I'm like, oh, this is great to reference if I'm writing a, a piece of content on this. You know, I want to go back and reference Luke's uh, material because he made some really good points and I want to build off some of those points. Um, and or, you know, if, if someone's out there just looking for, for a coach, like you want to become that person that someone sits there long enough and they're busy ass life to choose to save and maybe even categorize some of your content in its own special folder to reference later. Cause then, you know, when, when they need a coach or they need someone as a resource, like you're going to be pretty top of mind. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think like, you know, I was probably getting a little bit lost in my words earlier, but I think it kind of come to me when I heard you guys talk was like the, the reason that I don't like I've built a business really without it, you know, like, like hands down, like, and, and that's like, and there's a big part of me, honestly, when I went on that silent retreat, um, uh, I think it was about a year ago now, like a part of me that there goes, this is what, this is like how simple life really could be if you know, you wanted it to be. Um, and then the fact that I haven't had, you know, I don't have to rely on Instagram for my business to go around or to grow, you know, it, it allows me to have that flexibility where it's like, you know, I want to like, again, and, and what you guys were saying is that quality thing. It's like, I want my words to really change people's thought processes and mind. And like, I want people to, you know, it's, it's funny, like, you, you know, you write these kind of posts and then it's like, you know, maybe two months later, somebody reaches out and they're like, Oh dude, like, you know, that was amazing. That, that was like, you know, that's, that's changed my life in this way. Oh, that's done this. And, you know, you get that a lot with podcasts and these kind of things as well. But it's like, you know, a big part of me just wants to, to, to make sure that every bit, every word that comes out of my, my mouth or like, you know, that I type is, is one that has meaning behind it and is, is geared towards that. Like, I don't even, I don't even check my stats, man. Like that's not my, that's not my measurement of success is messages. It's like, if somebody's messaging me saying that this content's doing something for them, like that's when I know the content is, is in the right area and I, and I can probably start to double down on it and these kind of things. But I think it like, it does speak to a good point. Right. And, and like, I, I, I'd be interested to hear what you guys have to say, but like how important it is to understand that Instagram isn't your business. Like it is the tool that it's a tool that generates business or it's like, it's the tool that gets it there. Cause like, I feel like so many people, they do, they do see it as a beast and it is a beast, but like, it's like this thing where it's like, they, they, they want to chase this big following and they think that they can't have success until they have this big following. And, and like, as you said before, there's probably like, I know that there's a lot of people out there that have massive followings, 
but the business on the back end just doesn't churn. And it's like the, the stuff that actually goes on in the back is twice as important as, as, as the social media following will ever be. It is a great tool. Um, and as you said, like you don't, and, and I think Luke, you said this on one of the conversations we had, it's like, you don't need, you only need to have 50 people, like really 50 people that are willing to purchase from you. Well, like that, are, that really believe in your message and really believe in your vision and what you're trying to pro- pro- project into the world. So you only need 50 people. And like most, like if we actually literally think about our industry, you know, you really only need 30 clients to have a good foundation, right? Like it's like 30 clients and that's like, that's, pr- like, like, that's pretty good, right? That's a good foundation for somebody coming in. And it's like, I think people overestimate or yeah, they, they kind of overestimate how important social media is in that. Like, you know, I think it's people want the following and I don't, I don't necessarily know whether it's just, you know, people are chasing status, but I don't, I don't know if it is that. I think, I think it's this thing that like, because of the social hierarchy that social media, or sorry, the in, the hierarchy that social media creates for somebody internally, right? Like, you know, um, you know, when you look at social media and you automatically, you know, place someone on top of you because of the amount of followers they have, or you, you know, you see the amount of shares their posts get or the engagement, and then you automatically create that internal hierarchy. You know, like, oh, they're 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 above me in business, right? And I often uh, like this is something that I say is like. Um, to a lot of the guys that we mentor is like, you know, you, and, and I mean, I say it in this way, I was like, you, you know, most of these guys want a seat at the table, right? That's, that's really what they want. And I'm like, the, the, the big key to that, right, in, in my opinion, is to understand that the table doesn't exist, right? It's like, you know, the, like the guys who are really at the top of the industry, like if you actually speak to look there and there's this obviously some that that wouldn't be, but like 99% of the guys that I talk to that are doing really well in the industry, they don't think like that. Like, you know, they're like, yeah, you know, we just talk like friends and it's like, you know, and then all of a sudden you meet another guy and he's, and he's cool. And, and you know, there's another cool guy and, and then girl and, and, you know, you just, you build relationships with them. But it's like I feel like you know uh, this the social media and the hierarchy could hold a lot of people back from making those relationships, right? Because it's like that internal hierarchy that this that social media creates. Yeah, dude, it's like a video game. It's like he's got a bigger score than I do, and I want to beat his top score. It, it's the same with money, man. It's you know there's people who are earning stupid sums of money, and they're in a stupid amount of debt, and they're fucking miserable. And there's people who are making 50K a year and they have everything that they need and they're satisfied and they're fulfilled with what they do. Mm. And the only reason we want to earn more is because then it's like you said, it's the hierarchy. Now I've got a bigger high score. And I literally had this experience once because I'm going to, you know, maybe throw someone on the bus here, but who cares? It is gymnastic bodies. If anyone is familiar with that, I know a lot of people won't be, but I've been on a couple of gymnastic bodies courses because we used to host those guys at the gym that I worked at uh, several years ago. And the guy who owns that's name is coach summer and the guy works incredibly hard, but he literally came in and he said, I don't need any more money, but I want to earn more because it's a, it's a game to me. It's a high score. And he sat there and showed us pictures of his Porsche and this and that. And I'm sitting there going, dude, aren't you supposed to be teaching us fucking gymnastics? But it mattered so much to him that he got the high score 
that he couldn't stop fucking talking about it. So he got obsessed with chasing the score is, is my point. Um, you know, and it can happen with social media as well. Absolutely. So I want to add, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I think the catch 22 or the irony within that is as soon as you, you reach that point, you've then lost the framework that got you to that high score. So absolutely. Yeah. So, um, don't get lost in that. But I, one thing that really helps me, um, one thing that really helped me in this sort of internal battle or struggle for making sense of all of it was, or how do I better imagine this in my head? Um, one, I, I think at first basis, I think it's really important to develop a better reward system. Um, you have to reward yourself for better things. Um, and I, I better in the terms of like, <clears throat> you know, today, if I'm today, if I finish something on the back end that no one else knows exists, I'm going to be stoked about that. Not that I got 10,000 likes or, you know, if anyone's fucking getting 10,000 likes, like you're in, right. Um, but you have to start to re- creating a better reward system. First off, like be stoked about the shit that no one else sees more than you're stoked about the shit that people see. Cause then you know, that shit that you're, you're now stoked about someone will eventually see and some, it'll eventually be, be something that's life changing for someone else. And, or it's going to get you a seat at this table that you think exists. Um, because you're creating good shit and you'll realize that out of these tables that we think exist, there are thousands of them that we could think of and put together and assemble, right? The King's council, right? We, we, we could put together the Queen's council. Like we could put the, we put together these, these fucking endless tables of that we think exists and, and just say what, like what category? So if you say a table, it's like, okay, well, what part of the industry are you talking about? Because these people could be at this table and these people would be at this table. And so what table are you even trying to get a seat at? That's important to know. Um, but the, the main point that I was trying to make essentially was, I think what social media has done with the following and the way that it's set up, I think Luke made a good point as far as the video game and the system of leveling up um, is it's dehumanized the individual. And so you see someone follow you. We don't see them as the human on the other side. We see them as the number that then is now on our homepage that other people get to see like, all right, you know, this person followed me, man, I got hundred followers today. You don't go into those followers and check out who they are, see their lives, see how they, how can you help them? Like, why maybe ask why they followed, chose to follow you for the sake of like, man, did you come across what piece of content did you come across? Like what seemed to help? You know, we don't do that. Um, at least for the most part, you know, maybe, maybe a few, but you know, we, we see these, we dehumanize these individuals who follow us on average. And one thing that really, really helped me, um, was let's say you have a hundred followers. Okay. You would look at that and almost be ashamed to even tell anyone you have an Instagram at this point and you shouldn't, but this is the world we live in. So this is the table we set, we set at, um, imagine those hundred people in a gym listening to you speak. That's a lot of people in front of you. That's a lot of, that's a lot of individuals to speak to. I've spoken to, I think the most I've ever spoken to was mid thirties, maybe 40. Um, and I was like, damn, this is kind of a lot of people. 
you know, maybe I've spoken to more in a, in a different context, but as far as me, like as the only one speaking, like in front of someone, 40 people was like, oh, this is a lot. So imagine a hundred in front of you. And then imagine I'm standing behind you and say, hey, all you have to do is get 15 to 20 of these individuals right here in front of you that are stoked to hear your stuff because they've chosen to come here to sign up. Just 20. Not that hard. It's you such change a good your tone so quickly. You'd be like, man, all right. Yeah, let me get out a good message. Like, let me really sell this, man. Like, let me, let me double down and get this shit out. And I can, I can get 20 of these guys, no problem. But as soon as it goes on social, we dehumanize that fact. And it becomes this, this different system in which we've essentially been brainwashed into to living. Um, so understand that. And things may simplify a little bit. It's such a good point. Um, I've never probably, like, you know, um, <laughs> we did systems in synergy number one, right? And, and we had, like, 70, 75 like people awesome. and this yeah but but it was like I, I remember sitting there right and and like i i didn't even really have to talk that much i just had to introduce luke right and i was like but i just remember <laughs> that's going just, that's a task in itself <laughs> yeah and jordan right so it's like i'm sitting yeah, yeah. there and i'm just like well yeah i'm like whoa and people are rocking up and i'm like whoa and i'm like because i've never like you know I've, I've talked in front of like maybe you know 20 or 30 as well but when there were 70 people there and I was like 75 and I was like, holy hell. But that more reiterates the point is like, you know, it, there's a hundred people. It's like, you know, even if you've got a hundred followers, a hundred, you know, even if there's only like, like 500 followers, right. It's like just, you know, and that, that point there is like, you know, talking in front of 70 people means a lot to you because you, you get nervous when you do that. Right. And it's like, you know, there really is no difference. And, and like the one thing I will say is that leverage is power, right? Time at distance over time. That's how we measure it. Power gets to our heads, right? And that's what Instagram is. Instagram is leverage. That is, that's, that's what it's there for. It's a media source that allows us to get um, and connect with, you know, like as many people as there is possible, right? Anyone, you know, I don't know how many Instagram followers, uh, sorry, users there are, but, you know, really we have the potential to reach every single one of them with one post, right? That means the eyes on, on our words and, and on our, you know, our illustrations and photos is the potential is super, super high. And that means that we become more powerful with this tool in our hand. And we, you know, we can look at um, history and say the power is something that can get easily out of control. Um, and that's, you know, that, that we can talk about that on a scientific level as well. And, and I think that's the hardest thing for people to deal with both, both ways, right? When you get that power, does it absorb you? Does it swallow you up? And, and can, you, can you actually, and this is why I think mental examination and practice is so pivotal to everything we do. Like, I, I will continue to repeat it. Like, you know, the one, if there's one question I get like a lot on social media, it's, Hey Kyle, I'm looking to get into meditation. I want to do this, this, and this like, and I'm just like, yeah, cool. Like I've got this, this like five podcasts I've got like saved in my notes. Cause I've had it the question that many times. And I just like, yep, grab that. Go listen to these before you jump into it and do this. But you know, it's powerful in that it can absorb us when we get the power or when we have the leverage, 
but it's also can absorb us when we're trying to get the leverage and we don't have it right when we're not getting the return that we you know we uh, maybe vision our kind of visualize in our head um so again like i think mental practice and and you know examining ourselves and spending more time with our own mind is just such a you know, if that's for me is like the number one tool for business, like it's like emotional intelligence. It's my ability to, to kind of break the spell, use mindfulness to, to kind of, you know, um, break that chain of thought and these kind of things. Because if I don't have that, right, like I literally have no control over my trajectory. Like it's, you know, I, again, just a, a squirrel chasing a nut continuously. And, and like, this is what social media is built to do. Right. It is literally, I'm reading a book at the moment called Irresistible. Um, a guy named Adam Alter, uh, he, he's a kind of, it's an amazing book because it just dives into how these kind of, how it was built and um, the kind of addictive nature of it from a scientific perspective. But he's a marketer, like he teaches marketing, but he's got a very heavy science background. But Hooked is another good one. Hooked? Yeah, it's, it's written by... Uh, a programmer who actually he basically wrote the it's like the handbook of silicon valley it's like the because the the funny thing is he wrote hooked and then last year he came out with uh, indistractable so he wrote the handbook on how to distract and then he wrote the handbook on how to distract yours are un un yeah, <laughs> I know he's, <laughs> you know fuck me but um that could have been great but it wasn't so um <laughs> But basically wrote the handbook on distraction and then wrote the handbook on how to, how to um, be indistractable essentially. Um, And so those were two really good books, hooks and indistractable because, you know, you see first account of how these systems were built and why they were built the way they were. Um, And then you, you get to on this from the same person from the same mind who, who wrote that handbook, you get the same level of, depth and um sort of articulation of well this is how it was built so we got to set up these things to be sure that we're indistractable in these moments we have these you know you have these cues um and you know all these different things um in terms of habits and and whatever else right like it's a all in all it's a habits book the indistractable one is but the hooked one is is pretty enlightening as far as damn dude like this is an insane beast that was not built for the betterment of us as much as it was just for the the collection of our attention. Silicon Valley, right? Like I'm I'm reading and, and he said that, you know, most most tech um most people that are in tech in Silicon Valley don't let their kids <laughs> actually yeah, uh, use mobile, don't use phones and these kind of things because they know the beast of it, right? Um which is it's really tell you something yeah 100 100 percent. so it's you know but again i think that the mental practice thing is just it gets underestimated so heavily like you know people just bypass it it's like you know it's like yeah you know I, and often you get asked a question and it's like and i know i i i, I get this is like if i get asked a question and you know whether it's a business client or even back in the day, you know, maybe two years ago with a, a, you know, a fitness client. And it's like, you know, they don't want to hear that answer. It's like, you know, it's like, you know, because it's not the, it's not the sexy one. It's not the thing. It's like, you know, when somebody's struggling, you know, in business and like, you know, 
I honestly, like, it's easy from an outsider's perspective as well to look at someone and be like, look, you know, this would do you really well. Like, and, and this, you know, putting some practices in from, um, you know, a, a mental side would be, would be amazing for you. But it's like, it's just to the answer that not many people want to hear, which is, you know, it's, it's a difficult one. It's, it's tough, right? But it's like, you know, it just, just imagine a world where people meditated for like 20 minutes a day and spent 60% of their day out in nature. Like, could you imagine? Where's like, that world at, man? Well, that's <laughs> like, like, seems like that's Sweden, what Luke's, Luke's doing, from, right? Essentially. Yeah. <laughs> that, that exists in Sweden, which yeah. as far as I'm concerned, only about 0.001% of the population uh, fortunately lives, so. Um, yeah it's pretty right to experience that firsthand <laughs> yeah. um so a stat come out i want to i want to see what you, i wanted to kind of to to pick a to, to put this on the table with you guys so fitness australia over here actually just released a they did a post and they've, they've done a survey on 1700 uh, businesses in the fitness industry and basically they found that uh, out of those 1,700, 72% or I think, yeah, around as, as a 70% mark wouldn't make it past the one month mark without stimulus with their business. And for me, this was quite alerting. Like um, I, I was really kind of like, wow, um, this is obviously it's so unfortunate for a lot of people um, that are in these positions, but a big part of me kind of looks and goes, you know, how is the majority of, of business owners? And then I started to talk to people and, and it actually seems to be something that walks across life, you know, across the different, um, the different businesses, sorry, the different industries. Um, and I just wanted to get your opinion on it. I wanted to put it on the table because for me, that's a math, that's a stat that, damn, it's alarming, right? And, and like, I think the correlation I made is that you know, how does our industry reach its potential as an industry when, and, and especially, you know, cause the business side of it directly affects how well you can coach. Like, I think that it's like your ability to become and reach your potential as a coach is directly correlated with your ability to, to, to run your business. Um, and I think for me, it's just super alarming. Like I, I just, I, I was shaking my head and I actually, you know, it, it, it angers me um, because I have an opinion on it. I'm not going to put that on the table now because it will end up in a rant, but um, I wanted to get your take on it. And, and where do you think this comes from? And, and what do you, what would be your advice to business owners moving forward? Yeah. I mean, look, the thing is, is I, I, I'm not surprised by it, but I'm saddened by it because mm. I think probably many people run their household in the same way where if something catastrophic were to happen, you know, if you were a carpenter and you got in a car accident and you couldn't work, I think most people would be fucked if that happened, to be honest, mm. you know, and, um, if you're someone who can run a business and you understand your cash flow and you have an emergency fund in place, and let's say you have six months of living expenses, all of a sudden, yeah, COVID fucking sucks and that it hurts you, but you're not going to go under. Um, or, you know, and if you have that in place and you have the confidence of it, like you said, it, it allows you to be better because now you can take more risks. You can innovate. You can, hey, I want to transition online. Okay, cool. Well, I can slowly do that. I can, I can have the fortitude to drop some in-person clients and try to build up my online business. But if I'm living month to month or week to week, 
I can't do that, man. I'm never going to do that. And then I'm stuck in the rat race for the rest of my life. Um, you know, there's so much value in that ability to, uh, I suppose, budget and take care of your finances on a basic level that provides the foundation for some, some more advanced stuff. You know, my, my courses, my online business, none of that would have gotten off the ground if I didn't understand how to manage my cash flow in my business and in my personal life. Um, because I, I just wouldn't have had the ability to innovate. I wouldn't have had the safety net to fall back on to try something new and to build this for myself, you know, and then fundamentally, like the way it's going at the moment, I could retire at 40, you know, I'm, I'm 32 years old this year. I could retire at 40 if I wanted to because of the way my, my finances are set up. And to me, having that freedom and understanding that actually I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing because I love it so much. Like that's kind of where we all want to be. Right. But you've got that sort of, uh, you know, they, they call it fuck you money. It's like, if you don't want to do something, you don't have to do it for the money. You can do it because you want to do it, or you can look for something else if you're not happy about it. So it is super sad. And, you know, unfortunately that's the way a lot of businesses are run. A lot of service businesses, you know, including the hospitality industry are, are run that way. And it's a, it's small profit margins and, um, there's not a lot of capital that you can fall back on. Um, but I think as trainers, you can have relatively small overheads in your business. And that's the key thing is that if you're someone who runs a business where it's, it's very capital intensive, like a restaurant or any other company where you've got to own things like vehicles and factory uh, storehouses and warehouses, that kind of thing, you know, for trainers, essentially our overhead is our rent at the gym. And maybe a few other bits and pieces, right? But it's fundamentally not that much, which gives us a great opportunity to manage cash flow really well and set yourself up in a in a really, um, you know, cash flow positive sort of environment. Um, but I think there's a fundamental issue in our industry that we've talked about before, Kyle, where people don't see this as a career. They, you know, they're, they're not thinking about what they're going to be doing when they're 45 or 50 or 60 years old. They're kind of like typically in their twenties, not really sure if they're going to be doing this in the long term or in the mindset of, well, I have to, you know, they're not looking further ahead in the next year. Uh, and in, and when you're in that mindset, then you don't tend to take care of stuff like this, unfortunately. But if you're saying like, hey, I want to be able to develop myself in a career, just like a lawyer would, just like a doctor would, just like an accountant or uh, a tradesperson would, then that mindset enables you to have that longer term outlook. And it means that maybe you are going to take care of yourself. And, and when COVID hits or when you get injured or you have to move countries or your partner gets sick and you want to take some time off to care for them or whatever, Hey, it's not like going to put you under. So it's sad, but I, you know, honestly, I think it's easily avoidable if you can learn the, just those basic sort of budgeting skills, to be honest. Yeah. How much? So, okay. So how, how much? I'm going to go there a little bit. So, so I got, we did something last, we did an episode last week and, and kind of did some numbers on this, right? And and how much responsibility do you think lies with the, the individual, right? So obviously there's a lot of responsibility there, but from an industry standpoint, like, you, you know, everybody has to take responsibility for their own backyard. That's, that's the reality of the situation. Like it's that, you know, we talked about it at the start, it's the adapt, it's, it's that. But, you know, I, I did some digging on this, right? And what we found was that, 
70% of the opportunities in our industry are actually in Australia. So I, I'm not sure about America, but in Australia, 70% of the opportunities in the um, Australian fitness industry, uh, you have to run a business. So you're, you're entering in a business. Now, the Cert 3 and 4 provide no like little, like tiny amounts of actual business education. And then 30% of the market share is owned by a large corporation who offer, who only offer the ability to uh, join their facility while running your own business. And then these two come, and then the RTOs, the largest RTOs and the largest companies are actually directly affiliated. So, and this is like where I stand on what we do. Like my company is here literally to change that, to make sure that the education that people get allows for a, a larger amount of people in our industry to have found this just sustainable success. How can we get as many people in the, uh, in the, uh, position to just create a sustainable career and because because again those numbers are pretty damning right like and and if you go like okay we go the fitness australia number 70 percent of people in our industry won't make it past one month it's like one month and 86 percent wouldn't make it past three like that's our whole fucking industry mm. literally our whole industry but the thing that i'm getting at right is like there has to be some responsibility with the state of the industry because even though people come in and yeah, not many, not, not many people will want to understand that. Uh, will, will, sorry, not many people will come in and be like, yeah, maybe I don't want to do this. Maybe I do, but you can't like, there, there is no way that that's 70% of people, right? Like, so there's, there's something wrong here. Fundamentally it's, it's a systematic problem. And I, I feel, you know, that, we have, and, and if anything, the thing that I see the most is that COVID is our opportunity to change that, right? Because cause everybody gets a clean slate. Like, think about it. Like, the way I see it is that people end up, when that, you know, you know, when you get funneled from your RTO directly affiliated because you're like, I don't know where to find a job. You know, it's like you got to go to a gym and hand in your resume or whatever. You look on Seek or you know whatever it is where you find a job. Like ninety, like a lot of them are these big box gyms, right? You're going in there, you know, and if you actually go into any of these fitness first or like the the big box gyms, right? I guarantee you see two types of people. You see the OGs that have been there for five years, or you see newbies. Right. And it's like the, the, this model, right. And, and I'm calling it a monopoly. Like I'm going pretty hard on it just because I think something needs to give and change. But we actually got to look at that. Right. And we go, okay, we don't have stats on it. I'm, I'm not saying that we have stats on it, but you know, someone proved me wrong. When you walk into these gyms, you see newbies and you see the OGs that have been there for five to six years. That is what they want. Like that is what they're trying to do, right? Because that's a great business model. Like you pay a $3,000 licensing fee when you sign up to one of these things. And I've done it. Like that's my, that was me. This is how I came into the industry. And I'm lucky because I just, I, you know, I went like, not lucky, but I went hell for leather and understood that business what I was, was what I was running. 
not at the start. The first two years were horrible, like horrific. But after that, I really started to grasp, okay, this is, this, this is something. But they get a $3,000 license fee for signing someone on. You get, a, you, get a, you, get a, you get two T-shirts for your uniform and some business cards. <laughs> it's like, what am I licensing? Like, you know, and then, then, and then you know, they, they're guaranteed six months rent. And it's like, or they've got people that, like, because of the lack of business support and education in that system, um, they're trapped, right? Like, you know, think about it. What do you do? Like, you go to these big box gyms, the, the opportunities are limited outside of that. You know, some of us are lucky enough to get into these nice little, you know, boutique gyms that are absolutely driven by culture, like, you know, and you get some of those, right? But that's like, you know, they're, they're few and far between. And then you've got no other opportunity. So the only other thing that you can do is probably start your own gym. And it's like you're then leaping from a big box gym to your own gym with, a, with, with you know, bugger all actual education on how to run a business. And it's like I just see this and I'm just like, and it's, it just, again, it's it just like this is why we see that 70% of people couldn't make it past one month. It's like there's just like, you know, imagine the world and what, what does a world look like where they're given that education from both the, the gyms that they work at as a continued education process and also the RTOs. Like what happens if there's, you know, what if we spend eight weeks on, on understanding accounting? In, in it when we when we go through our cert three and four, but it's like you know, do they really want that? I don't know. I'm not, you know, I'm. This is me talking subjectively right now, but you know, it's pretty damning when you look at the stats. Yeah, I I would yeah, and it's similar over here in the U.S. Right, and uh, we don't have many, if at all, those you know any of those entities. You know, we have uh, like I have stacks of textbooks next to me, and there's like one of them that I can think of, which is Precision Nutrition, who has any sort of client management slash business management information in their textbook um, and in their coursework. And they do steer you in, the, in a direction <clears throat> of people who at the, like the end of their course, they, they steer you towards the direction of here's people we trust to help you with business and here's people we trust to, to help you with this, this, and this. Um, so I think precision nutrition does a good job at least introducing it. Um, but they're not even, but even though, uh, or even that they're not perfect in, in all regards. Right. So, um, and I'd say out of any, all the certification bodies that I've been a part of, uh, in the United States, it's, it's definitely not something that's, um, that's obvious and offered, right. Even like through the NSCA, which is one of the, the largest, most respected in the US, nothing. So, um, you know, here I can sit to, to be a, you know, an NSCA, CPT, CSCS, like with distinction, like I could have all these credentials behind my name and I'm fucking lost, man. Like, and I, I, I graduated with these individuals, um, you know, I was about to start a master's program with these individuals, like, they're everywhere, right? Quality, good people 
are everywhere. And the gym I go to here, there's some really good trainers, masters, people with their masters and their CSCS and some other, you know, uh, their FMS and like all these different challenging certifications and they, they have their fucking master's degrees. And I, you know, there's, there's one of them, or there's two of them, uh, with their masters, those individuals that I'm, I'm speaking on with all those certifications, their masters who comes to me to ask, well, what about this, this, and this, or what about this? And I'm like, uh, yeah, well, let's, t- let's talk about that because you know, that's important. And let's talk a little bit about business management. Let's talk a little bit about maybe how this goes online. Let's talk about all these different things. Right. And it's like, why am I left? Not that I mind, but like, why am I left to do that? After all their education, I'm left. Austin, me left to, to do this for them. And I, I think it's incredible. And I, I think it's a giant gap um, that I, I don't quite know how these gaps form. And there's some, there's some parts of it too that come to mind that, you know, there's a lot of government's conspiracies pretty much anywhere you go, but we love them here in the US. And so there's a lot of government's conspiracies. And I often give the, the question of, this assumes they understood what they were doing. This assumes they're intelligent enough to set this up. I believe some psychopaths are, are in charge. I absolutely, some psychopathic narcissists are in charge. Absolutely. And they're fucking intelligent. They're deceitful and they're great at what they do. There's probably a reason they're there. And there's probably a reason they made so much money. They've probably set up some of these systems. But as a whole, I think a lot of these just sort of unfold. And the people in charge aren't quite smart enough to understand that or grasp that. And they just keep continuing to build in opposite directions. And they, you know, the bridge to, to, to cross that river, if you will, of divide just has to keep growing and growing and growing. Do, and do you think it has to anything to do with the fact that they have to admit that they were wrong? Oh, good luck. Cause like, cause I, I do. Yeah. I think in, in, in some part, absolutely. I do. And I, I think to that, that point, right. I, I'll kind of end it with, with, um, echoing Luke and saying, you know, or I can echoing both of you, you know, it starts in your backyard and it starts with your personal finance and it starts with personal responsibility. Cause I think at the end, yes, these systems are set up all systems. And one of the biggest issues I have with it's not that I, I think we should exist without government because that's definitely not what I'm saying. But I think one of the most interesting observations one can have is assuming that these things are natural in existence. Everything that we exist by is man-made. Therefore, it has human error. And there's a lot of human errors. We see that through history. So, and we just see it in our everyday lives. Like, you're talking the guy down the street who you think is a total ass clown is similar to the guy who set this system up. Probably most likely. Yeah. That'll give you some insight into how we're, how these systems come to be. Right. Um, and so man-made things have human error and everything, every code, almost, almost every code and every bit of whether it's corporation, industry, government, that we operate on is completely man-made. 
and it's evolved to just be this flawed system that usually is there to benefit someone else. So I, I think in that, if we understand that, and this is where mindfulness comes in, right? This is where the ability to self-reflect, introspect, um, to be mindful of, of your, your own, but also to be mindful of, those, of what's happening around you is incredibly important because you have to be able to sort of see these things happen and see these things unfold or be able to see these things interworking as a system and say, well, unfortunately, no one's really looking out for me or my people. So guys like yourself, take it upon yourself to start a business that is for the people. It's for the individuals you see who are in the middle of that bridge and those, those planks are falling off into the ocean underneath. Like they're walking on very brittle pieces of wood that, you know, that can only extend so far, right? That can only extend so far out to where they have any ground to stand on. And so, you know, you have guys like yourself who are in there in the trenches, just creating something that you see a gap and you, you choose to fix it. You choose to fill the gap that or the void that was created by these, these monsters. I'm using that as a general term, but these monsters who created these systems, right? Um, who were not set up for us. They're not set up for the people. They're set up for whatever system they were looking to set up. Um, and a lot of times I think by accident, right? Again, like goes back to, I don't think we give these guys to wait and gals way too much credit a lot of the time, I think. Um, but in that, I, I think it's important to understand the self, understand those that surround you, understand your people. And, you know, you, you're setting up a company that is driven by that confusion, driven by that void, but in a good way, because it's, it's educating trainers, it's educating coaches that this void that they feel a level of dissatisfaction and confusion and um, emptiness within, you're there to kind of help them along and help them get to that other side. You know, you are becoming the bridge. And I think that's valuable. But then I, I think it, I'll, I will end this. Um, I, I think it's important that you take full self-responsibility for each part of that because without extreme ownership, and this is a term that I, I love, without extreme ownership, you're left to others to exist. And I hope I'm not the first one to tell you that they don't give a shit about you. Like they truthfully don't care. And they may care that you exist. They may care that you're alive. They may care that, oh my God, you got married. Congratulations. But when it push comes to shove, they don't care, right? They don't care. And they're looking out for themselves just as you should look out not only for yourself, but those around you, because I don't want this to become a selfish endeavor, right? This isn't a, a this isn't self-help. This is, this is help for you and your people, right? So how do we make this better for yourself and your people? I think that and your people is an important distinction there. That, that has to be a part of it though, right? Like think about it, like yeah. unless you are absolutely looked after, then you can't possibly be anything for the people around you. Like, you know, it's like, right. the, it does start with the self. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's like, neat. it starts with that. And I, I think you have to get your house in order and 
it starts with the self and you have to then radiate that outward, right? You can't, it, once it starts with the self, it can't end with the self. It has to end with you kind of radiating outward in this sort of reverb ripple effect, right? So if you see a drop of water into a, a glass, you know, that reverb, it comes out and back in, it comes out and back in. There's this vibration, this, this heartbeat that is constantly almost returning to the self, but then radiating outward again. And I think that's a great way to sort of look at your existence and, and your ability to contribute to other mm -hmm. people. And there's an insane statistic um, that's uh, focused on Americans, uh, like most statistics, because we <laughs> love thinking of ourselves here. Um, but it, it's something like, I've seen it in two different ones. It was, I've seen 46% and I've seen 52% of Americans that earn over, I want to say it was $50,000 a year and upwards of $100,000 a year. If asked to come up with $400, 400 in an emergency, they couldn't do it. 50% of people that make way more than enough money can't come up with $400 in an emergency. That's a fucking problem. And so it goes back to, to having your house in order. It goes back to guys like you creating a company you're creating. And it, it comes down to these, I'll say it, pivotal conversations and um, kind of just talking through and, and almost whether it's giving permission, like here's permission. Here's your fucking permission to care. And to, to see this as very important um, if you needed it. Yeah. You know, and like a lot of that stuff, ironically, people are, are looking at more and more of these sort of predatory um, business coaches out there that are charging, you know, are you going to pay 15 grand and we're going to do this, this marketing thing. And, you know, I've never run a paid ad for any clients ever or courses ever. Uh, you know, Kyle just spoke about how he, doesn't really spend much time on social media, but his business is the best it's ever been. Um, you know, and it's one of those things where all of this ironically could be avoided if you just took the time to learn how to budget. You know, it's like, it'll take you two to three hours. If I can buy the barefoot investor or whatever, if you want to, that'll get you, that'll change your life. And from there, okay, let's move forward now and let's learn some of the more complex stuff. Of course, there's more to it than that. But especially in a business where most of us are sole traders, like it just comes down to the fucking in and out and what you're doing with it. Right. Man, hundred, like, so, so uh, this is for anyone out there that thinks that we're talking shit. Like, <laughs> honestly, man, like I, I earned a fair, like when I, I reckon year three as a trainer, I, I was earning, I earned six figures for the first time. I had no money. <laughs> like, like I was, that was me. Like I, you know, and, it, and again, it was, I, I remember the worst kick in the guts, right. Was going to the accountant that year and going, fuck yeah. <laughs> like thinking that I'm like going to walk out an absolute monster, like, you know, killer. Like, and I was just like, yeah, like first year, really, really crushing it, doing well. And I walked in there and he goes, Oh, Kyle. So, you know, you've had really great growth this year. Um, and he goes, you've profited $30,000. And I've gone, what? Say it again. 
I'm like, come on, th- like, you know, what do you mean? And he goes, yeah, yeah, you've, you've profited $30,000. And I go, and then it hit me. So not only was I disappointed about the fact that I only profited $30,000, I didn't have fucking $30,000. <laughs> I didn't have $30,000 in profit. So not only did you know, I, I, I not manage my and allocate my funds properly within my business, but there's money missing from the business because I've obviously I've just gone and spent it on things that aren't a business expense as a sole trader. So that was for me the first time I really sat there and gone, I need to learn this. Otherwise, I'm in big trouble. And that kind of is like what, what Luke's saying. It's like, you know, you can earn... And, and it almost, it's the exact same as what Austin, what you're saying, Austin, right? Is like, you know, with the fit that, that stat is like, you know, you, you can earn whatever you want. Like there's a good quote um, by Keith Cunningham. I don't know if you guys follow him or, or not, but he's teaches all the business mastery for Tony Robbins. He's written a few books, hands down for me, the best business books I've read. He goes, everybody wants to teach you how to make money, but the problem isn't making money. It's keeping it. And nobody wants to teach you how to keep it because it's not sexy. And, and that kind of just done, like, you know, I know plenty, like, again, and you said it before, Luke, it's like, you know, I know plenty of people that don't earn an absolute wicket and they're some of the most wealthiest people in the world, right? And not just from a monetary perspective, but just from a, a, a you know, how they live and the stability they have and the freedom they have to do what they want to do um, purely because they can manage their funds properly. Hands down. I think it comes back to also, aside from money, like talking about what, what it costs, what's the opportunity cost of more money. And a lot of times that's less leisure. That's less time spent with loved ones. And, um, you know, and I, I think we all get into these, these seasons where we overextend, you know, I'm currently in a season where I've overextended, right? Don't even get me started. Right. (laughs) So fucking busy that you're just like, how the fuck did I get here? (laughs) And, you know, but, and then you think back, this is a part of self-reflection. Then you're like, I know exactly how I fucking got here, but it's important that you self-reflect and understand how you got there. Because if you don't want that to be repeatable, you have to understand how, how it came to be in the first place, um, right? So you have to audit how you got there. And, you know, you have to understand the opportunity cost of making more money because typically that's going to mean more work unless you strategically set that up to where you're not going, you're not, and this is, you know, we see this in the online space, right? Like, once you move from the in-person PT to the online space, in which I think one of the coolest things is kind of a hybrid system. I'd love to kind of have a hybrid system one day where I'm able to, to still see clients in person because I miss that component. Um, but it, once you move from in-person to online, right? Like what we're always told, um, and it's true, but like you're not trading time for money anymore. Like you, now you can leverage, now you can scale. But wait, now there's no boundary. Now there's no limits. Now there's no framework or scaffolding in which you have to operate in. 
at least at the gym, you have a certain amount of hours. The gym's only open a certain amount of times. There's hot spots where you can't actually train clients because it's so busy. Like you have a pre-established framework in which you you sort of operate within, which kind of also manages your life in a way to where you know when you get off generally, you know that you won't have a client during this time or this time because that's fucking ridiculous and no one's going to train at that time. And the gym takes care of a lot of that for you, you know, and, and the way that the gym operates. Once you go online, man, you can work from 3 a.m. to midnight the next day. And you could put yourself in a, a fucking bind or a hole where that's your existence. And there's, there's nothing stopping you from doing it. Absolutely nothing stopping. There's no framework unless you create it that stops you from doing that. And you can make, you know, absolutely no people that have done this and they have enough money in the bank. If they did were smart with it to retire right now, absolutely right now. And it's, it's insane to think about. And, but did their life get better because of that? Did their life improve? And at what point did it stop improving? Right. And that's not to say you can't make more money because more money creates opportunity, peace of mind, create tool for creativity, tool for freedom and leisure and whatever you want to do. But it's, again, it goes back to what you're doing with it. How do you maintain that? Right. We can all lose weight, but how do you maintain the weight? Maintenance isn't sexy, right? No one bringing, bringing sexy back doesn't have maintenance involved. But damn, man, it should. Like maintenance is probably one of the sexiest things I think to, to anyone that's lived through this period of, and I think this is what kind of, you know, people are trying to get around to, which I think is way deeper than people are making it out to be. But people that just are kept, keep touting, like if, if you're, your goal's abs, you're not going to be fucking happy when you get there. And it's like, yeah, well, that's short-sighted. I think you probably, you may. Like, I think it's short-sighted to completely discourage someone from wanting abs because then that stops them from the journey to all in and of itself. That's an ignorant statement sometimes. But like, it's the values in which we live that life leading up to that point and when we get there, right? And it's the same thing that probably all fitness coaches have said on their Instagram once before, and they understand it in terms of the fitness space. They understand it in terms of calories and training periodization and whatever else. But somehow there's not a cross or a bridge between that and their personal finance or their personal responsibility or the ownership that they're taking over their fucking existence, which I think is quite important. So, yeah. Do you have anything you wanted to add, Luke? No, I mean, I'm, I'm in agreement as usual. Uh, it's, it's one of those things where um, can definitely resonate with that uh, sort of limitless feeling and, and being able to, you know, I mentioned we're in a position where there's wait list for my wife and everything's going quite well business-wise and all that sort of thing. And, you know, we're still, a, we're each a one-man show or a one-woman show in our in our respective businesses because we've got more than we need and we understand the way we want to take it, you know, and I, I don't think 
a lot of trainers think about that. So it's important to have those reflections. Um, and, you know, just to kind of rewind back to what you were saying about keeping money, I, I do think that that's like a big part of the equation because if you as a trainer are getting so hung up on generating new business and trying to get more people through the door, more people through the door, it's the exact same issue that we spoke about with the social media where you feel like, well, I need to have thousands more people following me so that I can continue to get business. But um, if you can plug the leaks and you don't need to constantly be trying to get like 10 new clients a month and all this sort of shit, uh, you know, you can look after your own backyard. You can build a more meaningful relationship with the people you do have, and you don't need to have more than X amount of clients. You know, like right now I coach about 20 to 25 people online and that is my absolute limit. I'm not doing more than that because I want to make sure that my service is good to those people. I don't want to be one of those coaches that has 50 people and I'm, giving them shitty programs and all, and all that sort of stuff because, you know, I've got to pay down my two cars and I, I bought a house I can't afford and I don't budget. So I just spend money on frivolous shit all the time. You know what I mean? Like, and so my existence is better for it. My business is better for it. And I, frankly, my bottom line then gets better because, you know, guess what? You're going to get more referrals that way. You're going to have more satisfied customers. You're going to be uh, happier with the work you're doing, et cetera, et cetera. The gangster move in business is post-purchase. It's always has been. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like advertising only gets more expensive as life goes on. You know, um, the gangster move and, and the OG move has always been post-purchase. Ask Tesla and Apple how much money they spend on advertising compared to their budget. Not much. The, that's, you know, the best companies we know that put more capital and focus into uh, either purchase and post-purchase. So um, mostly post-purchase, like the reason the iPhone is the greatest, um, you know, tool on, on the planet at the moment is because the artificial intelligence creates the next one, you know, like your, you, the, the behaviors is what, you know, dictates the next iPhone. And that is, you know, literally we're creating that. Um, and that's, that's capital. That's a choice to allocate capital into you know, something that um, happens post-purchase, right? It's it's the artificial intelligence in the current phone that dictates the next one. Uh, and for me that, you know, that's just like a, a, an overlooking kind of, that's looking at it from a, a big business perspective. But I think it it has a lot of merit in, in small business as well is that, you know, if your focus is always on things out external to your business, um, you know, um, your internal is never going to be looked after and, and properly and, you know, if you just look after your internal, both clientele and, and financial and, you know, all of these things, then um, I actually think that's what leads to greater scale. I think if we're talking scale in business, I think if you're always spending more and more on advertising, now don't get me wrong, advertising is a necessity in some way, shape or form, but if you're always putting more money into that and relying on that, it always gets more expensive. Like that's what history tells us. So I think the best thing that you can do as a sole trader, a gym owner, anything like that is put the focus internal community, drive community and culture, um, focus on your service, make sure it's slick, make sure that it actually gets someone the result that you're promising them. Um, and then over, over deliver on customer service and satisfaction. Like it's, you know, that's, that's the, the, in, in my opinion, that's the, uh, that's the formula. Um, and then, you know, a lot of the time, your 
your clients actually do that for you, right? They do the advertising for you. And, and that's if you can create that and create free marketing through your clients wanting to do that for you. That's, that's a sustainable model long term that, you know, that you doesn't, it gets better automatically. It's a Benjamin Button business, you know, like it's, that's what it is. And I think like, you know, that's, that's where I, I feel like honestly, that's, that's, it ties in with the social media thing as well. Right. It's like, that's where a lot of people go wrong. It's like, they're, they're doing it backwards. Um, and, and, you know, honestly, I, I did it backwards for a long time as well. So I'm talking from experience, you know, it's like, but the second I started to actually focus on my business internally and that's everything, it's like, you know, as I said, I made 30 grand profit. I guarantee you the following year when I started to shift my focus internally, and actually look at the things internally, cash flow, right, in clients and, and everything, that's where we got, I started to get a great return. Yeah, I'll echo, I'll echo you both in that. And um, I think the most important thing, and, you know, this is something that we've all kind of collectively and, and individually talked about quite often uh, in the recent, recent past, and that's understanding horizon, understanding exactly where you want to go. Um, and I, I, I you know, I love that Luke brought that up as well. And um, it's really important. And I know Luke and I have sent back and forth uh, some email exchange on kind of our, you know, where we're, where we'd like to go with things and, and kind of our, our future plans and ideas and concepts and whatever else. And, you know, within, I think it's important that you are able to articulate that I think it's important that you have, you think about it. And I think it's important that you, you have people close to you, you can share it with, you can bounce ideas off of and be able to, to say like, Hey, like, this is kind of what I'm thinking. What are your thoughts here? And, you know, just like I, I Kyle, I told you about, um, you know, kind of the concepts, you know, I told Luke about this too, like the, what I want to kind of do off the back end of the book. And, um, and, and that's something that I, I hope works and happens. And I think it's going to be cool, but like, just like you know it bits and the parts of that that are ambitious and there are parts of that that are just like fuck dude you're you're just adding another thing man just keeps going and i i understand that completely and like when i start looking at it again and i start to reflect on it again it's like man without you even saying anything i i get that like you don't have to say anything and it's like man yeah i keep saying the i keep saying this but then I keep saying this as well, and we we know which one's going to win, right? Unless I'm willing to say like, that's not worth it. Which at this point I'm not making any decisions, right? But like, there's there's a decision I have to make to say like, what's the opportunity cost? Is it worth it? Do I think I can haul ass for the next few years? Set up a system that runs itself. Well, we'll figure it out and I'll see if I can talk to some smarter people and, and figure out how to set up that system. But, you know, it's important that you know the horizon. It's important that you know, because like we've kind of touched on, right? There's those business coaches. Um, there's great business coaches out there. But there's also the business coaches that aren't so, aren't so good. Just like coaches, just like people, like parents, like teachers, whatever. There's people that are good. Some you're better at what they do than others. And that's just, the way it exists. So we're not going to just shitting on business coaches here. Uh, it's important to distinct, um, but, or as a distinction, but I have known people who've done very, very well 
like well into the seven figures. And once you get into the well into the seven figures, Mark, you start to get into business coaches who deal with clients only that are well into the seven figures. Then those coaches discuss, well, here's what we do, right? So you're a two-man operation now. What I did with what I did with Kyle over here, all right, is we took him from two to six, okay? Now, I know that kind of cuts your profit margin a little bit, and you got to start paying these employees, but look where we're going to scale, all right? And then once we get to six, we'll go to 12, all right? But these 12, these, other, these, these, these next six, right, they're going to be, they're going to be in a country where we can, we can leverage the labor, right? We won't pay as much, right? So now we're creating this beast, this extended beast. Do you want the beast? If you do, I'm here to give you a slap on the ass and say, fucking go, man. Like, have at it. Awesome. Mm-hmm. If, you're a, if you want to own a beast, you want to create a beast, create the beast. But understand the beast is going to exist. And it's all on you to either keep that going and or it's all on you if it fails, man. And if that's a res- you got you to gotta know if you want that, res- that responsibility. And you got to know what that life is going to look like for you. Right? It's not going to look that like... Is- Huh? Lukey, right? Lukey, Lukey understands leverage on a like, and and I look. This is me from an outsider's perspective, right? Like Lukey yeah. understands, like, because you got to understand leverage to understand what you're saying. Like, leverage comes in four different. Uh, well, there's four types of leverage in business: capital, labor, media, and like software and product. Like, and and you know, if you understand those, you can choose your beast. You can choose which one, and then that will be based on the life you have. And I think, you know, for me, like I look at Lukey and I look at, he's someone who's been able to choose that based on the life that he wants to live and then use that as a way for him to build that life um, and, and allow him to do those things. Like, you know, and, and again, it comes just into what you were saying is that, you know, when you don't understand leverage and for me, we teach defense in business, which is uh, judgment. So judgment is think like we've got like a, a Venn diagram, you've got cash flow, intelligence, and branding. And then the middle piece to those is judgment. So when you actually combine and integrate all those things together, it improves your judgment. Now, the reason that's defense is judgment is the precursor uh, to offense, which is leverage. You can't have leverage without judgment, right? Because you're running in the wrong direction quickly, right? And you continuously make mistakes and mistakes cost you time and money right? What does leverage get you? Time and money, right? So it's, and then, you know, what offense is a Venn diagram. I'm writing this course at the moment. This is me overextending <laughs> in, in a short period of time. I understand the concepts, but writing is, is a whole new beast in itself, but it's operations, marketing, and strategy is the Venn diagram. And in the middle, you have leverage and You've got defense and offense. If you learn how to play both of those really well, you can create any life that you want. And as and that life doesn't have to be the biggest, the baddest, the richest. It can be the one that you actually want. And I think, you know, I've gone, again, hats off to Lukey. And I, I feel like he's very much in control of that and just kind of, you know, takes photos in the woods and makes it look fucking easy right like but it's like you know it's hats off to you man like i'm and i say that because it's it's good to see fucking you you know we spoke about this probably like two years ago or a year and a half ago and you were kind of telling me like you know this this and this but i think that just that's props to the understanding 
of those con- of leverage as a concept and leverage is the literally the the concept you have to understand if you you know um to create the life you want especially if you're in a business yeah yeah and i think a lot of that is you know being clear about what you want and then you know like we were saying having the ability to objectively look at it and then make the business decision that makes sense um <laughs> If I didn't know that, then yeah, I would have hired another trainer underneath me and maybe another one under that and I would have blah, 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 blah. But um, being able to be pretty clear about like, yeah, you know, I want to be able to travel and to walk around in the forest in Sweden. Okay, well, objectively, I'm not hiring someone across the other side of the world that I have to fucking, you know, talk to them in their time zone and be in charge of. Like, that's not going to work for me. So yeah, it's, it's interesting when you get down to it. Um, and it's about not overcomplicating it and just doing the basic shit. Well, I think in my position, at least. All right, we're going to wrap it up guys. Um, great conversation. Uh, I want to say thanks to you too for we, we got there. Like it's, well, you know, the time zone thing we're in kind of literally the three different uh, <laughs> yeah. continents in the, in the world. But, um, Thanks to you two for making the time for jumping on. And I was excited, you know, I mean, it's, it's, you, you are both kind of guys that I love jumping on and having a conversation with. So we'll make sure that we, uh, we get another one in the books for um, sometime in the near future. But um, again, thanks for coming on guys. Absolutely. Always a pleasure. Thanks, man. I, I look forward to these then more than anything. So um, you guys are good people. And uh, again, it's all about, big part of life so you surround yourself with while you're here so that's what it's about man 100% see you guys hey guys this is just a friendly reminder that if you enjoyed this episode if you got something out of it if you learned if this conversation sparked some innovation and change in your mind uh, then hit the subscribe button so that we can continue to to generate some great conversations with those that are successful in the industry that spark change and innovation in your minds and and really just make a difference in your life and again if it is something that you continuously enjoy uh, you can also leave us a review in the itunes app uh, uh, which is just located below this episode you'll be able to find it big thanks guys big love and i'll see you in the next episode